Hi, everybody. Dick Vitale. Hey, make sure you listen, man, to Lockdown Blue Devils with J.J. Jackson. He's awesome, baby. You are Locked On Blue Devils, your daily podcast on the Duke Blue Devils, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Locked On Blue Devils podcast. So great to have you here with us on this Friday. What a fun show we've got for you today. Game day for Duke men's basketball as they get started in the round of 64 in the NCAA tournament. A lot of fun yesterday as college basketball's best premier event is uh, off and running and what great games we saw yesterday. My name is JJ Jackson. I'm the host of this podcast. Follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils and follow me on Twitter at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore. Be sure to subscribe and follow Lockdown Blue Devils for free wherever you get your podcasts as you'll get the latest episode of this podcast as soon as it comes out each day. Thank you for making Lockdown Blue Devils your first listen every single day here on this Friday talking all things Duke men's basketball with my buddy Ryan Lavoy as we get set for the Blue Devils to take on Cal State Fullerton a little bit later tonight Duke a two seed in the West region taking on the Titans of Cal State Fullerton let's dive right in all right Ryan here we are excited to have you back on the podcast once again Duke gets ready to play a little bit later tonight in the NCAA tournament we've got a lot to catch up on since the last time you were on the show your Tar Heel fandom has been discussed a ton and uh, props to you and the boys as uh, for one the Tar Heels picked up an NCAA tournament victory yesterday over Marquette in very convincing fashion but more importantly you were able to defeat Coach Mike Krzyzewski in his final game inside Cameron Indoor Stadium. Hello! Well, look, you brought that up, not I did. Me. I needed so, to. I was going to own it. Um, I was, I think, like everyone else, surprised. I think I was on this podcast not too long before that game and said I would be very surprised if Carolina hung in there. I actually – I know I asked you the question, would you prefer beating Carolina at the buzzer or in blowout fashion – uh, did not think there was an option C there, uh, but obviously option A or B would have been better than a proposed option C. So that would have been my answer. That was right pretty now. surprising. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How you doing, man? We saw college basketball, the NCAA tournament yesterday. Yeah, I mean, look, I always want chaos in the NCAA tournament. If, if it's not your own teams, if it's not my team, the couple teams I root for that that usually make the tournament, then I want to see as many upsets as possible, and I do not care less if my bracket should be thrown in, in a trash can afterwards, um, which is exactly what this bracket needs to be be in for me because it's already gone to trash. So um, I always freak out after three or four games there's no upsets and get irrationally terrified sure. that there's not going to be enough upsets to my liking. Uh, but after day one, after the, those Thursday games, I can confidently say I'm very pleased with the chaos in the in the first day of the tournament. Well, let's get to it. I mean, obviously, the biggest one that we need to talk about, St. Peter's defeats Kentucky, a 15 seed, defeats the Kentucky Wildcats, who were favored by 17.5 points, according to our friends over at Bet Online, And the Wildcats, one and done in the NCAA tournament. Popular national champion picks for many popular Final Four picks as well. Kentucky, a team that the Duke Blue Devils saw in the very first game of the season for both squads. And St. Peter's, like who? St. Peter's, the Peacocks, won yesterday. Yeah, first ever NCAA tournament win, and uh, that's the one to get it over. It feels like yeah. Kentucky, whenever they lose, it's noteworthy. It's one of those programs just in the sport that anytime they get upset, it's that m- much more magnificent. And, you know, I, I 
am genuinely really surprised by it. Uh, I mentioned just a moment ago that uh, my bracket was on fire. Uh, it's on fire to the effect of I had Kentucky not just going to the Final Four, not just going to the National Championship game. I will out myself as having picked the Wildcats to win the whole enchilada. And uh, <laughs> they did not get even seated at the table, really, uh, in this one. So, uh, But, again, I-, I was thrilled to see it. Uh, I saw some metric that kind of ranks the shot quality that each team uh, each team has throughout the game and then kind of predicts what the score should have been based off difficulty of shot, right. shot taken, who took the shot, that sort of thing. And it basically said that based off the shots that were taken this game, Kentucky had a 98% probability of winning the game. I'm not a huge stat nerd, right. but just to take something simple like that and just say, hey, shot quality-wise, Kentucky should have won right. easily, makes it that much more unbelievable that they didn't and that St. Peter's, the Peacocks, did. And – that's what we all look forward to. I think it's the ninth or tenth time a 15's beaten a two. It's been happening a lot more recently here in the last 10 years. And you just got to give a lot of credit to St. Peter's. And with Kentucky from not going to tournament last year and then being one and done in this tournament, uh, that's a rough two-year stretch for them. Kentucky loses to St. Peter's. They were a 15 seed. Duke has been in that position before when they took on Lehigh and Duke was defeated. Then Duke is 10 and 1 all time as a two seed. They're a two seed a little bit later tonight, taking on Cal State Fullerton. Of course, that Lehigh team had CJ McCollum, who goes on to be a lottery pick in the NBA draft. I don't know that we saw a lottery pick on last night's St. Peter's team. Yeah, no. Um, <laughs> not even a second round pick um, to be. Be clear. Uh, they had a lot of guys step up, hit big shots. Uh, really can't remember any of the names. Not right. going to try to. Right. Uh, we'll have another crack at it in the round of 32. But uh, that's what March is about, right? I, I know there's the perspective of the Blue Blood, and certainly Duke has that perspective. Uh, I'm well aware of the North Carolina perspective. Uh, but I still think this tournament is so special because of storylines like that. Um you know, for as great as the big heavyweights and Final Four clashes like a Kentucky and Wisconsin and a Duke and, and Carolina and, and UCLA or whoever is in the Final Four, as great as those type of games are, uh, I think it's just as cool to see your uh, Lehigh's, your St. Peter's, your UMBC's. Those things are, in, in a lot of ways, what make the beginning of the tournament because for some of these teams, we usually get a pretty good team winning the whole thing. There's not a whole lot of years where a five seed, four seed, seven seed goes and wins the NCAA tournament. It's usually still one or two. It's a team that we have figured to be one of the best in the country. Right. Uh, and so really, if not for these big upsets, it would just be a slow march to what we assumed would happen anyway, right? Um, and, and so to get these great upsets kind of distracts us from – Oh, uh, yeah, Gonzaga with a, with a victory. Uh, Kansas kills Texas Southern and yada, yada, yada on their way to prospective Elite Eights and Final Fours. And it, it lets us kind of have something to enjoy and, and talk about and, and, and learn some new teams and learn some new – I mean, we're, we're well-versed in college basketball. We're still aware of St. Peter's existence. But we're also aware that St. Peter's has done nothing uh, of note, really, in their existence. So to have those storylines and have those magical moments really makes the first part of the tournament pretty special. Locked on Kentucky is going to be epic today with our buddy Lance Dahl. Make sure you check out that to hear what they've got to recap over there. From the Wildcats perspective, uh, thanks again for making Locked on Blue Devils your first listen. All right, Ryan, so what else stood out to you from the first day of of March Madness when we saw the round of 64 yesterday? Well, I mean, 
sticking with the theme of upsets, we saw our traditional twelve and fives. Right. Uh, we already saw two, three, three twelves play. Two of them win. Um, Richmond over Iowa. Iowa had been red hot. I mean, Iowa. I think people could argue might have been a sleeper to upset uh, Kansas in the Sweet Sixteen. Won and, the Big Ten tournament, uh, right? And, and potentially make a make a deep run as a five. And they turn around and lose to a team that wouldn't have been in the NCAA tournament if they didn't beat Davidson sure. on the on the final day of, of conference tournament play and, and win that conference tournament. And then you also look at UConn, a team that beat Auburn earlier in the year, a team that also – those four and fives you look at and say, can they beat the one? Can they beat a top five caliber team? Because that's what they're going to play in the Sweet 16 and you're going to play probably a fellow top 25 team in the round of 32, assuming fours and fives win, which they never really always do. <laughs> But, uh, you know, you look at UConn, and that felt like another team based off early season success uh, that, that probably could have been good enough to, to beat a, a really good team in the tournament. And, and they lose to New Mexico State, trailed really most of the game. And so, like I said, I mean, you know, I, I could talk to you about I'm now, co- you know, being more confident in Tennessee after they thumped Longwood. But the truth is, is a lot of times these games are very much – unique to to each individual game so absolutely uh you know i think tennessee and iowa exemplified that because in some ways tennessee and iowa were very similar coming into the NCAA tournament because they had won their conference tournaments as being teams that were not favored to win their conference tournaments that were probably on the second tier teams uh, at least iowa certainly would have been to win their conference tournament and they have totally different performances tennessee looks like the same team we saw last week in tampa where they uh, beat kentucky and, and squashed uh, cinderella texas a&m there uh, they looked like the exact same team, and Iowa looked nothing like the team that we saw last week. They looked like a team that could lose to anybody, and they did. So I think the biggest storyline is just that the NCAA tournament continues to be its own separate thing where even if you've been playing well, it can, it can go, it can help you, but it's not guaranteed because you may be playing someone that's very hungry and, and can put together their best 40 minutes of the season. Round of 64 game today that doesn't involve the Duke Blue Devils or any of your other teams that you're excited to see. Like, what's one was tough to predict in your bracket, Ryan, or, or a game that you're excited to to see how it unfolds today? Um, so, I, I think that uh, Duke will be interested in one of these the games. Uh, you know, not that they um, shouldn't be interested in their own, obviously, but I, I still trust Duke at the end of the day to have a lot of success against Cal State Fullerton. But I think Davidson-Michigan State is very interesting because uh, Davidson, a high win team out of that A-10 that got in that large bit after losing to Richmond. We see Richmond go in and beat Iowa. It makes you think, you know, maybe Davidson maybe is even undervalued as a 10. And then Michigan State doesn't have a whole lot of years where they're a 7, right? When they're they're in the tournament, they're usually a top 15, top 20 team in the country. So they're kind of in a little – lesser-known territory for them to be one of those seeds that's pretty evenly matched with their opponent in round one. and Some believe Izzo's middle name is March. Right. And this is what he's made for. And, look, that's that's great. He does have a great resume, March. He can also lose just like anybody <laughs> yeah, else in exactly. the first round. They, they all did. I mean, Middle Tennessee, Giddy right. Potts would like to have a word. Yes. So um, I think that one's fascinating. And then another one I, I, I want to see briefly, um, and, and this I'll just go kind of maybe on a limb more – with a potential upset. I'm really interested to see Illinois and Chattanooga because I think Illinois should win with a dominating presence like Kofi Coburn. But if Chattanooga can just find a way to get him in foul trouble, they will even up the game so much because Kofi is 
uh, a 22 and 12 type of center. I mean, sure. he is prolific as it gets down low, and, and offensively, he's got a good game. And, and we've seen these 5-12s, 4-13s consistently be close. And so uh, I think if you're kind of circling one to keep an eye on upset-wise, while Illinois does play a style that – uh, with with Kofi, they they know quite well because Kofi's been there a while. It all it takes is foul trouble or one day where you know what instead of on his shots around the rim instead of being seven for ten he's four for ten. For some reason, Chanu just finds a way to do a good job there. So I think that game will be interesting as well. Let's talk a little bit more about Duke in the NCAA men's basketball tournament with Ryan Lavoy coming up after this on Locked On Blue Devils. Today's show of Locked On Blue Devils is brought to you by our friends over at Built Bar. Oh my goodness, I love Built Bar so much. Bars are covered in 100% chocolate, and it is so good. All right, most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a normal candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. Mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, and so many more awesome flavors, including white chocolate, cookies, and cream. One that you gotta be sure that you check out. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, for 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your order at Built.com. Moving forward here with Locked On Blue Devils on today's edition of the program on this Friday. Duke basketball gets set to take on Cal State Fullerton a little bit later tonight. That's the Titans of Cal State Fullerton. Talking about our friends over at Bet Online, and again, I've got Ryan Lavoy here with me. So many awesome props that you can find out if you go to betonline.net, including this one. They've made this a prop, and you should definitely put your money towards this. Which mascot will advance the furthest in the NCAA tournament. Again, which mascot will advance the furthest in the NCAA tournament? The Wildcats, the most popular pick at minus 175 with Arizona, Kentucky, Villanova, and Davidson. The Bulldogs, the second best odds at plus 100 with Gonzaga and Drake. The Tigers, the third best odds, plus 300 Auburn, LSU, Memphis, Texas Southern. The Raiders, the fourth best odds. You got Texas Tech, Colgate, Wright State at plus 1,000. And then finally, the Spartans, Michigan State and Norfolk State at plus 3,300. It's amazing. You could find props for anything in the sports betting world. And here we are giving you the props for what mascot will advance the furthest in the NCAA tournament. The Wildcats have the best odds, but they took a shot yesterday because those Kentucky Wildcats took a loss. So still riding out hope with Arizona, Villanova, and Davidson. And, of course, our Duke Blue Devils, the only Blue Devils that are in the NCAA tournament. So uh, not the best of odds if you're looking for something like that. All right, we move forward here today on our edition of Lockdown Blue Devils, talking with Ryan Lavoy. Duke, a two-seed Winners of the ACC regular season championship. Ryan, I ask you this. Why can this Duke basketball team win it all? Because they're the most talented team, and that's been said on this podcast. I think that's been said on TV. I think that's been said everywhere. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to know that Duke has four to five first-round quality players. Now, at the college level, have they gelled perfectly not quite, and that's a story that works, at, or you know, goes with Duke and Kentucky, seemingly every year. Is they recruit the best, 
They have guys that if they play three years at those schools, they would win a national championship at some point. But unfortunately, you get one shot with them, and you get one shot to gel it all together. And it's worked at times for Duke. It's worked at times for Kentucky. At times, it's been incredibly disappointing. Right. And I think both programs can agree they've had successes and failures with it. Uh, with this team, what's hard to figure about them is it seems, and it has seemed all year long, that the ACC was just not any good and that it had taken maybe been the worst year in the conference in anyone's lifetime. Yeah. And, and what's hard to figure about is why did Duke – not dominate that conference more than they did. They won it in the regular season by a game, and they lost three games at home in the regular season. And that's not to say that just this is a crap on Duke, you know, part of the program, but it felt like with talent, if it was gelling the way that Coach K would have wanted it to, they don't lose to Carolina at the end, despite this being the greatest rivalry in the sport. They don't lose to Virginia there. Um, and, and so I, I wonder where the mindset of the team is, knowing that they did lose to Carolina, that they did not beat Virginia Tech in the ACC championship game. Look, I thought what Paolo said after advancing to the finals, great. Right. We want Carolina. Um, but then you got to take that mindset and bring it to Virginia Tech because sure. you don't always get – the coolest, biggest opponent. And that's what sometimes great teams or very talented teams have problems with is they don't get up like they should. I'm not saying Duke didn't play hard. I'm not saying Duke didn't, you know, didn't give it their 100%. But there's an extra edge it when is a you concern. get what you want. right? And, and so you just look at why the team was not a little bit more dominant this year. And that would just be my biggest question. If this was a normal ACC and you go, what, 16-4, and four, right. then I think you're thrilled. I think that's amazing. But uh, it almost felt like there were just random games where the switch never got flipped on. So – I think with Duke, it's just that you know you can re- you can take comfort in the fact that they're talented enough to win the whole thing for sure, but they've got to have that edge, both defensively uh, and offensively, with everything they do. Because again, they were pretty good defensively a lot of this year. I think they've been better at times this year than they've been in a while defensively, but then all of a sudden someone like Hunter Couture has the game of his life. And sometimes you can't help that. Right. But at the same time, you know, if you look at Tony Bennett's Virginia teams, I don't know how many guys have, like, the game of their life against Virginia very often because of just how suffocating they are. Now, they'll be miserable offensively, and that's that's what Virginia was this year. They are just miserable offensively. But at the same time, they're not giving up. They're not losing because they gave up 80. They're losing because they scored 50. And so Duke has always been great enough offensively. It's do they maintain that same edge defensively when they're not necessarily excited or think the opponent is as as cool as normal? There's got to be a level of, I don't know if it's boredom or, you know, this is something we talked about a lot this week. Brandon Marks of The Athletic pointed this out a little bit earlier uh, in the week as well. You can find that here on the Lockdown Blue Devils podcast feed. Five of the worst Defensive performances from the Blue Devils came in the last six games of the year. The one exception was a road game at Pitt, which, you know, everybody kind of plays Pitt well. defends themselves. Exactly. But that's not a good trend for Duke, the run that they've been on lately. Yeah, and like I said, I, I'm not going to say the team's not playing hard. That, that I think that criticism 
gets a little too wild and comes out there. But there is, like I said, I think the right word is edge. You play 100%, but then you have that little something extra. You hustle for that that rebound just a little harder. You stay in front of your man and do a better job walling off. Just that little extra effort at times. And I think that it's very hard to get that out of teams that haven't played together because maybe they don't know when the correct time is to help off their man. Maybe they don't feel that they have every single blocking assignment on on defense um, figured out to the to the max. And so I think with Duke, it's just like they can take over any game with their offense. Right. But they can also let any team get going offensively if they're not careful. And that's just what it is with talent sometimes. But to be fair, look, I thought Kentucky's – younger guys were incredible defensively i i that's why i picked them when right. you know I, I thought that kentucky would mix enough offense with a really good defense and you know what when they need to hit shots they didn't hit them because they didn't have the offense and even with good defense some guys make tough shots and so it's it look the tournament in a sense we can i can go very deep dive like this or, or go even deeper but the reality is they're one-game scenarios in which you don't know if the team you're playing is going to have the game of their life or not. Anything can happen in March. That's why we love it so much. The Stoop team, though, I still think has everything it takes to win the national championship because of the talent alone, and I'm glad that you sort of are saying the same thing over there. So we're talking about the Stoop basketball team. That's why you feel confident that they are capable of winning the title is the talent. But what specifically is it for you, Ryan? Is it the size? Is it the versatility? Is it just hey, this this team has lottery picks all over the floor that get it done. What specifically about their talent makes them the best? Yeah, so I, I think it's that offensive edge. I, I, I think that, right. you know, I, I, I speak about edge in the defensive sense just a moment ago, but what it is is that they do pretty much everything well offensively. I, I would say they're maybe not an incredible post team, but then again, Paolo gets down low a lot. Yeah. He's, a, he's a better driver than he is shooter. Uh, when you see A.J. open from the perimeter, obviously one of the best shooters out there. Uh, you see Trevor that has been inconsistent. I, I think I think people would say Keels could have been even better shooter than he was. 100%, yes. Um, what's been interesting for Duke recently is, is Jeremy Roach catching a little bit of fire. Oh, yeah. And Roach, another highly touted guy, as you know, who isn't at Duke. <laughs> I guess Theo John isn't. But <laughs> but Jeremy Roach is a guy, highly rated again, that is starting to find more of a place offensively. He started to hit some open shots. Uh, I think he was good offensively against Carolina, good in the ACC tournament. And, and so it's one thing to have the talented guys be talented, but when you have your point guard find his niche and find his role amongst all that talent i think that that can be just as vital of a thing as you know oh is aj going to go three of six or four of seven from three is Paolo going to get down low and have 20 you know that sort of thing is mark williams going to go be the defensive player yeah, of the seven year? one guy to throw it up right, to at right. the rim. And, and so i just think offensively it gets tied together the more jeremy roach can help orchestrate things and 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 kind of cipher through the talent because look Duke had, 
I think the three most talented guys on the same team I've ever seen a few years ago. But at times it was like, I don't know which direction they want to go in right. in this sequence. And sometimes it felt like with RJ, Zion, and Cam that they were in, they didn't have the ball in the right person's hands at the right time. Sure. Um, as great as it was. It, by me saying that, I say I would have just given it to Zion every single <laughs> yeah. possession and gotten out of his way. I think that's but, what they learned after right, the fact. Right. Um, but uh, so, yeah, having a point guard that can orchestrate the different strengths of the, of the Duke offense is really what can make the thing be at its most proficient and efficient. Mark Williams, the ACC Defensive Player of the Year, also on the all-defensive team for the conference. Wendell Moore Jr., also one of the five players on the all-defensive team for the Blue Devils and led the team in assists. There was a stretch where he was the only player in America, averaging 15 points a game, five rebounds, five assists. The scoring numbers dipped big time for Wendell as some other players like A.J. Griffin stepped into more of a role, but... Honestly, he's a big X factor for the Stuke team being the junior. And uh, it's wild to think about this, but this is the first time in Wendell Moore Jr.'s career later today that he will play in the NCAA tournament. And it's been forever that a junior at Duke is making their debut in the tournament. Yeah, I was about to say, I mean, you can't necessarily make promises like this, but if there was ever a program that could promise you, I promise you, you're going to the NCAA tournament. <laughs> your freshman year, uh, it would be Duke, right? And so, you know, Wendell is important. And I know he got off to a really great start this year, and he was climbing draft boards, and it was clear the improvement was there. And then he kind of faded a little bit. And, J.J., I'd be curious to get your response. Do you feel that was more because of the growth and and, and availability of A.J. Griffin probably more than anything, yeah. similar positions there? I would say so. Um, but, but Wendell – Still being a junior and just getting how it works is important too. And I, and you know, I'm here. I am talking about Jeremy Roach and and him orchestrating things. But in fact, really, Duke has been orchestrated a lot by Wendell. And um, I think that it's not a bad thing to have two guys be able to do that. But I go back to, you know, Wendell's probably his strength is probably still to be a scorer, and, and that's what he exemplified early in the year. And so I think that I would still love to see Roach, if I'm just looking at it objectively, I'd love to see Roach be the key orchestrator there. But but certainly what Wendell can do with the ball and be a playmaker, that's not necessarily for himself because so many, once again, so many, I'm not trying to categorize them all, but so many one-and-done guys are just like, give me my 24 and I'm going to get out here with two assists or one assist. But Wendell, being a junior, knowing how this thing goes, um, being one of the most veteran players on the team, he gets that everyone needs to be involved. And as great as it would be for Paolo to score 30 or as great as it would be for A.J. to hit five or six threes, you need two or three guys to have great offensive games, not just one. And so that's something that your guy LeBron does at the NBA level. Is right. LeBron James, in fact, really should shoot 50 times a game. <laughs> There's not a better solution to scoring the basketball than just having LeBron take all the shots. But LeBron understands that other guys have got to get going because the likelihood of him being able to score enough points single-handedly to win is is next to nothing, even as great as he is. So take it to the college level, it can still be a similar thing. Duke has to have two or three guys have good games, not just one, and it goes for any other team. No team in the tournament will win a game if one guy 
tries to shoot 35 times, and no one else is doing anything productive offensively. Final preview for Duke and Cal State Fullerton right after this. You're listening to Locked On Blue Devils. It's that time of year again as college basketball's tournament is finally upon us. From all the latest odds, contests, and player props, BetOnline.net is the number one source for all your sports betting needs and information. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. It's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all the sporting wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. Thank you so much for listening to Locked On Blue Devils. My name is JJ Jackson, joined today by Ryan Lavoie. I really appreciate you making Locked On Blue Devils your first listen each and every day on Monday on the program. I pray that we are talking about two victories for Duke men's basketball in the NCAA tournament. They take on Cal State Fullerton later tonight, and then they will play the winner of Davidson and Michigan State. That game will tip off following the conclusion of Duke and Cal State Fullerton. Ryan, we talk about the experience of this Duke team. 2020, there was no NCAA tournament because of COVID-19. In 2021, Duke missed the NCAA tournament for the first time since 1995. You look at the roster this year for Duke. They have 19 combined minutes of NCAA tournament playing experience when you combine the senior Joey Baker and then a couple of grad transfers and Theo John at Marquette and Bates Jones at Davidson. 19 combined minutes going into yeah, today's game. Yeah, so what you're saying is they've not played in the NCAA tournament, <laughs> yeah. and they do not have experience. Exactly. Yeah, um, yeah that's – look, it, it, the good news for this coaching staff is they're used to that. Right. <laughs> um, but certainly people would tell you it's just different when you've been there before because it, it's just chaos. It's just pure chaos. Because I, I would have told you going back to last night, Kentucky surely, by just getting it to overtime, now granted they did take a lead and St. Peter's was technically the one that got overtime, but just by getting to breathe and going to overtime, surely the better team will assert itself right. in the final five minutes, in an extra five minutes. And it doesn't work that way. And that's what's beautiful about this tournament is somehow one of the best teams in the country wins it every year, but plenty of the best teams lose to teams they just had no business losing to because of a mixture of wacky weirdness and, and the other team just playing out of their minds. Do I think Cal State Fullerton will do that? No, I do not think they will do that. Um, but, you know. Unfortunately, uh, could they even, do that? Absolutely. They could. And even Gonzaga, if you if you just look at the score, ah, oh, yeah, Gonzaga, no problem. In the West Georgia region State. with Duke, yeah. Right. Uh, surely, you know, the, look at the final score. Oh, yeah, that was typical 1-16 and 16 game. No, it was not. Georgia State led that game in the second half, and it was panic time. So, it's just – it's a different animal, and it doesn't always make sense. And you can try and give you this key and that key and, and another key, and it just doesn't go like that very often. Duke 28-6 and six overall on the season. They are favored by 18-and-a-half, courtesy of our friends over at Bet Online. Playing later today in Greenville, South Carolina. The game will be televised on CBS, a 7-10 p.m. Eastern tip-off for Duke. All right, Duke and Cal State Fullerton have never met in men's basketball before. Duke 4-0 all-time versus current members of the Big West Conference, last facing a Big West Conference team back on December 30th, 2015, a 103-81 win over Long Beach State. 
Duke has faced a former Big West member twice in the NCAA tournament in national championship games, UNLV in 1990, and then another national title rematch against UNLV in 1991. Former Big West members there is uh, when they've played before in the NCAA tournament. But that's it. That's it for Duke. And very they've never played Cal State Fullerton before. UNLV should probably consider going back to the Big West. They had more <laughs> yeah. success when they were there. They absolutely did. Cal State Fullerton this season, champions of the Big West Conference. They go into the tournament with a 21-10 overall record. Nine of the 13 players on their roster are college transfers. And uh, it's, a, it's a team that does not shoot the three ball well. We've talked about that a lot throughout the week. And we talked about, you know, hey, if, if that's the case, typically think about these big upsets in March. The three ball could be the difference, and Duke has struggled sometimes as of late in three-point coverage defense. Teams have done a really nice job of bringing seven-foot-one Mark Williams away from the basket, trying to make him move laterally in ball screens, so much so that in the second half of games, he's had to sit on the bench for Duke to go a little bit smaller and put Paulo there at the five. But that being said, just because Cal State Fullerton is one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the country doesn't mean anything because St. Peter's was kind of in the same situation and they go 9 of 17 last night against Kentucky. Yeah, I, I think they showed a graphic that they were like 32% as a team, yeah. which was in the 200s or something nationally. And it goes to show you it's one basketball game. It's not a series. If this was a series, Kentucky would still win that series. It would have been more anxious than it should have been. But if you played a 3 out of 5, Kentucky would figure it out. But that's why this tournament's so great. You play... 30 or 35 times before you play in the NCAA tournament. You get all these averages, but in those 30 or 35 times, you've had a game where you've shot the lights out. You've had a game where you bricked everything in sight. And so you don't know if this is the one game where it's pretty close to the averages or if it's brick everything in sight or if it's make anything no matter what. And, and so Virginia is the perfect team to go back to with that because against UMBC, their great defense didn't do a dadgum thing, right. and they give up 70-something to UMBC after giving up 60 all year, and they only score 54, and then the next year, they win the whole thing playing the exact same style of basketball. So it's the greatest crapshoot of them all, and I don't say that negatively because I think it's the most awesome thing in sports is this NCAA tournament, but we can break down all those numbers again, and it's just how they come out that one particular day. Just one time has Duke won the national championship as a two-seed one only of their once. five titles. That's, I, I say that, and then I'm like, wait a minute. There are schools everywhere that, that have like, only never done it. Right. Yeah. Like, can we just get to a Final Four? Right. That would probably be nice if we ever got I mean, to do that. I mean, St. Peter's just got their <laughs> right. first tournament victory. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so back in 1991, Coach K's first national title, Duke was a two-seed. So how about that? Let's have the first and the last national title be from the two-seed line. That would be awesome if we can start to speak this into existence as Duke plays Cal State Fullerton tonight and then plays on Sunday if they are to win. Not that we're on a script, but can I go off script for just one second? Go for it. You do Duke mailbacks from time to time, right? I do, yes. Can I give you a question right Please. now? Since it's do over, you want me to answer it now, or is this for a future mailbag? Uh, it better not be for a future one because that's going to be hindsight. So. <laughs> okay. Um, since there will not be one over the weekend – Yes, and, and there in theory will be two Duke basketball right. games until Monday. Who would you like to see in the round of thirty-two between Davidson and Michigan State? And it, and you can answer it however you want. It doesn't have to be who you think is going to be easier. Like it could be what storyline you want to see. Just what do you want to have happen in that seven-ten game? Probably Michigan State. 
right, because of the history that they've had. I mean, Duke has played Michigan State in the NCAA tournament so many times to count. It's unbelievable. Their two most recent national titles, they played Michigan State on those runs in 2019. The Spartans were the last team to knock off uh, the Blue Devils in the Elite Eight matchup there. So getting a little payback would be nice, although Joey Baker was the only player who was a part of that game, and he didn't even play. Uh, So I guess that the personal grudge isn't necessarily there, although last season when Mark Williams, Jeremy Roach, and, and someone like Joey Baker were a part of the team, the ACC, or excuse me, the Champions Classic at the start of the year, you loved this, that Duke would not go play at a neutral site, but Michigan State came to Cameron Indoor with no fans there. Michigan State beat Duke that night. So I think I would prefer them to play Izzo one more time to have another Coach K. He had one final meeting with Jim Beheim three different times this year, right? You had the matchup with John Calipari in the regular season for one final time. We know that for sure now that Kentucky was eliminated yesterday. Mark, you know, the big coaches in the sport, I'd love to see K get to go against Izzo one more time. I, I'm just I'm fascinated because either way, it seems like there's a storyline there. Right. So I just wanted to see what storyline you went with because obviously the Davidson stuff. And look, that's a pretty hard game to pick. We mentioned it earlier. And, and both teams and, have a good shot of beating Duke. I mean, that's a popular pick in people's brackets as one of those two teams knocking off the Blue Devils because they have been suspect over the past two weeks. So I'm already nervous. Well, <laughs> you get nervous about everything. <laughs> it, it, Lord forbid Cal State Fullerton hit their first three. <laughs> right. You're going to think that this is the day. In think fact, of which me they tonight, hit folks, threes. if that happens. Uh, but look, Duke's bracket, it's tough. But at the same time, when you've beaten that one seed, which Duke has... I've talked about some of the weird losses they had in ACC play, but there's nothing more reassuring if you need a confidence boost that, hey, the perceived best team in this bracket, you already beat them. Right, on a neutral site in a setup like this. Yeah, let's make it happen. Just got to get through Davidson. That's right. Ryan, thank you uh, again for coming on the podcast, man. I enjoyed it. He's on Twitter at RyanLavoy0. You can follow me on Twitter at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils. Be sure to subscribe and follow this podcast right now on your favorite podcast app, and you'll get the latest episode of Locked On Blue Devils as soon as it's available each and every day. Check out the Locked On ACC podcast. That's going to do it for today's show. As always, go Duke. I'll talk to you on Monday. My name is JJ Jackson. Thank you, and good day.